Good morning, people of planet Earth. It is I, your host, Hacker Mike, alone today on a walk cast. So if you're looking for a chicken jar, listen to some previous episodes again. Because he also has his own YouTube channel, Chicken Jar. You can check him out there. But if you want to listen to me, please continue. Now, I'll make you guys a promise. I'm not going to sit there and go, um, uh, and just talk total crap anymore. I have my finger on the pause button. And if I can't think of anything to say, or I need to collect my thoughts, I'll just pause it. So that will be my promise to improve my um, <clears throat> QAnon source is complaining about the quality of the podcast and saying that it's not living it up, living up to uh, his or her expectations of what entertainment should be. And I want to remind you that this is not entertainment, and this is not even a podcast, so to say. This is what I'm sharing with the world the time that I go for my walks in the morning, what we can do with it. It's our, it's my contribution. Take it or leave it. And I really don't have time to edit, to sit down and... I've got other things I need to do, and I have very little time um, to do them with. I've got a uh, six-year-old son. I have a wife who has lots of projects for me. I have a full-time job, a garden, and also I have my own software projects that I'm working on. So <clears throat> eventually we're going to actually sit down and work on some of them. These walks are just really my little therapy sessions, my escapes from the world, and I put them on tape, raw and uncut. As Chicken Zara said yesterday, it's like, yeah, it's like raw foods, uncooked, unprocessed. If you want processed foods, you know, this is maybe the wrong podcast for you. This is the raw food podcast with raw feeds. And raw streams, streams of random. It's literally life is happening right now, and that's it. <clears throat> and you could call it performance art, like <sighs> Abramovich, where she sits in the gallery on a chair and invites people to sit with her, and they just stare at each other. Um, performance art. That's what this is. It's performance art. We're performing live, and uh, whatever happens, happens. And if I have a brain fart, I have a brain fart. You can also, there's this button called skip forward. You just skip forward a minute. You know, there's no shame in skipping over a section. If I'm talking shit, skip over a minute. If I'm talking more shit in that minute, skip over another minute. If it's still going, you could just close the podcast and listen to Joe Rogan. But you know what? Joe Rogan doesn't um, 
stream every day. <clears throat> and he edits his shows. That is much better than I am. But once you've run out of things to listen to, you might want to come back to my show. And hey, if you still got some time to complain, you could also help me edit. All of the MP3s are on the web. Get yourself a podcatcher, download them, and help make clips. Even just write down time codes. You can go to listennotes.com, look up Stream of Random, pick the episode, click on dot dot dot, say create clip, write down the time code, hour, like zero zero, colon, minute, like 30, colon, seconds, like 30, and then write down what your thoughts are, and hit share, share it on Twitter, share it on Telegram with us, on Discord, you know, we've been doing a lot of, getting a lot more listens now with those clips, and um, we're going to uh, improve on this process, but it's really something different, and I'd like to see it as an art form. I mean, I challenge you, go for a walk, record it, you know, don't go for a run, because you'll be breathing too heavy, maybe a bicycle, but it'll have a lot of wind, and the point is, I think that walking is probably the best for your body, it's low impact, it's not like you're really trying to go anywhere, you know, like where are you trying to go, if you want to go someplace fast, okay, take a car, sure, take a bike, if you have to get from A to B fast, use a bike, but if you want to do some exercise, what's wrong with walking? Good morning. Good morning. So, like I was saying, I think that uh, walking is really good for you. <clears throat> better than jogging and running. And frankly, better than... I'm just going to repeat some stuff for people who haven't listened to all the episodes. And are like deep... And we talked about a lot of stuff on these shows. And we do need some kind of index to pull it all together. Um, so I'm going to go over, I got some feedback the other day, more feedback from QAnon, and it was saying, he, she, it was saying, they were saying, let me read it. And you'll find some of this on our Discord channel. Can't really read that text. 90% of today's jobs will be gone in 20 years. But programmers are the safest jobs from automation. Well, I mean, I don't know if I said programmers. Um... But uh, my thoughts are that a lot of the pro- 90% of the programming jobs are also going to be automated because a lot of programmers are just copy and paste. 
So, you know, not everyone who calls themselves a programmer is a programmer. <clears throat> um, but there's a certain, I think artists as well will have jobs. I was thinking more like data scientists or people who can, you know, work with the cobots, let's call them. Like, even programmers are going to have cobots, assistant bots that will help them program. But you still need to instruct them, probably. And then the question will be, you know, are people still going to use VI? Probably. I don't know. Um, it's hard to predict the future, but uh, I do know that their chickens were quite a good investment, and they eat all of our garbage and produce eggs. And I helped Dad get his chickens happy now. They're flying around and having a good time. And boy, here I got back to, uh... hey, good morning. I got back over here and grandma's chickens were so happy to see me and they're so healthy. <clears throat> and I dug up some uh, worms for them. Just used the uh... <clears throat> pitchfork to turn over some dirt and there were worms in there and they were going crazy. I like that. Where, where we feed them, there's a lot of worms under the ground eating the compost. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I, I'm not going to really make too many predictions. Um, and uh, I hope I didn't sound like I was being too predictive. I was just making some ideas there, uh, Q. But, yeah. Um, <clears throat> we have to define what programming is going to be in the future. It's not going to be exactly like it is today. And maybe um, you'll have to get the neural implant to be a good programmer in the future. I mean, who knows? <clears throat> the... Um, there's science fiction stories or alien stories about these alien ships that are telepathic and they're basically like living machines supposedly that respond to your your thoughts I think that's pretty far out <clears throat> pretty far out ideas um, I love me some good alien stories Back in the day, I used to listen to uh, Art Bell and George Norrie. Can't stand George Norrie. They had that ancient alien show that popped up. That was almost undigestible. <clears throat> but um, love me some good crazy theories.
This is good coffee, guys. Let me tell you. So, instead of um, talking shit for too long, I'm going to put this on pause. And I will... Uh, I will think about things, and I'll get back to you in a minute or two. <laughs> okay, now that was worth taking a break. I was listening to Tim Dillon, his last episode, Sober Up, and it's hilarious. He's like, Trump is a drug, and people are, um, <clears throat> hardcore Trump supporters are like, um, Like people who have come down um, from some inebriants and they're pretending like they're still high or maybe <clears throat> they don't realize that it's going to be over. Um, and uh, I mean, he's basically saying, you know, Trump's not going to win, but uh, I would say I like me a good fight, and I love the uh, fight. So we want to see what's what's going to play out in terms of entertainment. <coughs> but uh, at least I want to see that. Not we, I. But. Uh, let me see exactly what he says. Yeah, so basically he's saying that people are pretending to be drunk. And, um... They want to be drunk off Trump. But they don't realize that, uh... Trump is going away. And even the people on the left are like, Oh, Trump will never go away. So, his theory is that... Trump is going to go away, and these people are going to have this addiction to Trump, and they've built up a dependency on, on him being there. Certainly the left media and the people who consume the Trump hate all day, but also, I guess, the Trump lovers, and that they want or need that fix, a daily injection of Trumpism. That's kind of funny. Definitely should check out Tim Dillon's podcast. He's hilarious. Pretty raunchy. Pretty edgy, but uh, I think he has some good thoughts. Now, the person who I think has the best thoughts at this point in time... I listened to um, Ben Shapiro and Mark Levin yesterday. I still have to listen to the best, best of the left. <clears throat> and um, you know what? I might actually put a clip in this show. Of some left stuff because I'm sure they're gonna have some juicy bits that I want to share with you so why don't we do that why don't I uh, do a clip show today I'm gonna to end this segment I'm gonna pull up some nice juicy clips to add into our show that's always entertaining so it's not a monologue see we're gonna entertain mr. Q today with some entertainment because the most important thing is to be entertained by someone who's dancing in front of you and um, if you're not entertained you'll be upset and realize <clears throat> how horrible life is and um, we have to be constantly distracted right can't hear the crickets chirping 
Well, you're not going to hear any crickets chirping now because I think they're all dead or in hiding. All right, let's go. Okay, so this next clip, I'm just I'm listening to it, and I'm going to give you some commentary as she talks. So she's against bipartisanship because she says that the Republicans are not acknowledging the election results. But um, as far as I can tell, the Republicans are questioning the election results for valid reasons. And they're acknowledging that it happened, but they're questioning discrepancies. So that's step one. Then she says the party that tried to prevent us from having a free and fair election. Well, <clears throat> um, I think that everyone is interested in a free and fair election. Everything that I've heard from the right wing, the Levin side, and the Shapiro side, etc., is that, or even Tim Pool, that they want to have a free and fair election, and fair meaning fair to everybody. Okay, so now we get into rampant voter suppression, which is basically um, making it harder to register to vote. Now, I encountered this in Kansas as well, and they really did make it hard for me to vote, and it really frustrated me. I had to try multiple times to register to vote. It was very annoying. Um, <clears throat> and that was a result of the uh, voter ID, ID laws that they put in, Pompeo and Brownback. So I wasn't a big fan about that. Um, but if that helps uh, reduce fraud, I mean, why not put a little bit of burden onto the people um, and check everything ahead of time so it's all up and up? I mean, why not? And we're going to um, hear, we hear uh, sworn affidavits about blank ballots and uh, mobsters uh, working overtime on filling out fake ballots. So really, um, you know, we will have to check all of this so it, it is a free and fair election. And then she talks about disenfranchisement, um, which I guess is... I'm not sure exactly uh, what that part means, but intimidation, I mean, that would be very bad if people are getting intimidated, like threatened. The only case of intimidation I heard about was this guy who wanted to disenfranchise. He wanted to stop the certification of something in um, Wayne County, Detroit, and he was threatened, his family was threatened, um, and they caved in eventually. And they were saying that that was disenfranchising the voters there. Um, but I'm not sure exactly what she means by disenfranchisement. We have to study that. Now, I'm not a registered Republican. I, I only registered as a Republican once to vote against Brownback in the primaries because I thought he was crap in Kansas. And that's the only time I ever voted. But... Um, <clears throat> So I actually voted against the right-wing Republican, who was horrible, um, for the record. But uh, she's saying that the Republican Party is against the very existence of, I guess she's a black person. Um, 
And I think, I think that is a very, very uh, bad statement to make because there are quite a few uh, black Republicans as well. So would that make them, you know, self-hating or of some kind? I'm not sure exactly what she's saying there, but I think it's a very racist statement. Let's continue listening. Okay, and then finally, this is the best part. She says that the Republican Party is advocating essentially a form of genocide on the black people through medical neglect. Now that is really, whew, very spicy. That's the type of stuff you come to this podcast for, I guess, to hear clips like that. Because, I mean, uh, if you come to Trenton, you can go to the hospital basically for free. Um, there are, I'm sure, many ways for people to get health care if they do not have the funds to do it. They have a sign out front that says, you do not have to pay, you will not be refused if you cannot pay for emergency services. Um, I know that in Kansas, they operate the hospital as a law, at a loss, and it's a public institution. I'm sure there's many ones like that. So I'm not sure um, what exactly she means, but I think it's very dangerous to say things like that, um, to claim that the Republican Party wants to have genocide on, on the blacks or colored people or different ra other races besides, I guess, the white ones. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, that's quite over the top. I don't, I frankly don't give that a whole lot of weight. And I think, again, we cannot gloss over um, the racial aspect of this whole situation. So we, we're talking about a, a situation where the Democratic leadership um, is making the claim, simultaneously making the claim that we need to reach across the aisle, we need to engage in bipartisanship with the party that is not acknowledging the election results, the party that just tried to prevent us from having a free and fair election, the party that engaged in rampant voter suppression, uh, disenfranchisement and intimidation, uh, and particularly in communities of color, um, the the party that uh, you know is is completely opposed uh, to the idea of our existence, the the party that is um, essentially advocating a form of genocide through medical neglect that has been uh, you know ravaging our communities, um, and and so we can't we can't just gloss over when people are saying that the path forward is to build with Republicans and at the same time to essentially demonize, um, make a boogeyman of black activism and black causes. Um, Rokana is exactly correct. It is the, it is the organizer, the same exact people. Okay, so we, I found some more clips from her. So basically she's repeating the not acknowledging of the vote. And now she says that the president is stoking violence among white supremacists who are going or threatening to blow up governors I think hold on okay so they're threatening violence against sitting governors and threatening to blow up ballot counting stations now that's horrible um, if people are threatening to blow up ballot counting stations or threatening sitting governors and I would be very surprised if the president was encouraging people to do that, um, <clears throat> you'll always find 
a crazy person in every group. Um, I guess we're, we found one in this group who is willing to um, to say crazy stuff. And I hope uh, <clears throat> I have not heard of anyone advocating violence. Um, but uh, maybe I'm not watching enough of uh, the best of the left. Maybe I need to, uh, someone was just yelling at me. Maybe I have to listen to more left, left-wing stuff to know about these uh, threats of blowing things up. Okay, and then she says, people are picking on the defunding of the police, where the police are actually killing citizens. And I guess the, the police are uh, representing... Um, what she sees as these white supremacists trying to genocide on the the uh, minorities, and that's why she wants to defund them. So, <clears throat> I mean, it sounds to me, and I don't know too much about defund the police, but it sounds to me like a pretty nasty situation if the police are killing people in your town. I mean, that's very horrible. We're going to have to look into this, guys, and understand what, what is going on here. ...of a president who does not acknowledge the election results. We've got him stoking violence among white supremacists who are threatening violence against sitting governors who have threatened to blow up ballot counting centers that folks would pick defunding the police as the, you know, as the target, as the threat, as the danger, um, when you're talking about communities that are that are still being killed by police and still turning out to support this party in spite of that, complete opposite direction of, of where they should. Okay, so now we've got a nice clip here. Um, and he brings up some interesting points. So <clears throat> he's saying he wants to know, I'm, I'm going to quote him here. He wants to know if we are going to fundamentally embrace the idea that we are a multiracial democracy. And I think this is one of the points, this is a very good point, that we have been struggling with and the uh, people have been struggling with, the, the uh, Democrats, the young people, the uh, left-wingers really think that we are a democracy. And they want us to be a democracy, right? But I think the hard fact, the hard pill to swallow is that we are not a democracy. Okay, we are a re republic. And this is basically, he's going to say, you know, the question if we're going to embrace the idea that we are a democracy, well, we can't really embrace that idea without a radical change of the entire system, which is not a democracy. Um, <clears throat> and we're struggling, and they're definitely struggling with that. And I agree, the Democrats, the Democratic Party seems to be struggling very much with the idea that we are, with the question if we are a democracy. And I think the answer is no, we are not a democracy. 
and that people are going to continue to struggle with this and you'll see this struggle all over the place and and it predicates it's like the starting point of the struggle is the misconception that we are a democracy and you'll see this logical fallacy all the time it's like the starting point and then you wonder why the institutions that are set up to protect the republic from the democracy then strike back against any attempt to change it because they're very conservative and the whole idea of the republic that was founded and that we swear allegiance to is that we will protect the republic uh, and we swear allegiance to the flag and the republic for which it stands and that republic is set up to protect itself against the democracy against the people basically and I mean that's a hard pill to swallow but it's something we really have to wrap our heads around to understand this whole fight. Yeah, let's listen more. Okay, so now it says um, white America will choose violence to defend its way of life when faced with that question. So when faced with the question of are we a democracy or a republic, that the people who are sworn to defend the republic will choose violence to do so. Yes, I think it is unfortunate that happens but that's basically what the military is sworn to do it's sworn to use violence to defend the republic and the constitution and um, <clears throat> that's basically what everyone is supposed to do <clears throat> the only way to change the constitution is through a state uh, through the states and the constitution was set up federal government was set up to be elected by the states originally and the states were set up to be controlled by the landowners which were at the time white and I think there is also more uh, people of color and people who are minorities and not white who are landowners now so that's also foreigners who are landowners but okay point is that the states were sovereign states to begin with and they are able to change the Constitution right so each of these states the state of New Jersey is a sovereign state basically and it is able to change the Constitution with all the other states with the states con convention and that's the only thing that could make things into a democracy but that would go against the that would go against the Constitution, basically, as far as I understand. I suppose they could introduce some measures that would make it more democratic, and they have over time, like the people voting for senators instead of the states appointing them. Um, <clears throat> but it's a very interesting and complicated topic. Um, <clears throat> now, I think what he's saying is that, I mean, he's painting a picture of white supremacists wanting to kill uh, black people, and um, I think that's a horrible picture to paint. Um, and if there is any, any uh, cases of that going on, we should definitely come down on that very hard. Okay, so then he talks about the noxious or poisonous assumptions 
that have somehow built up our life and it's based around the idea that white people should be valued more than others. So this is really a key point um, and I think what we're talking about here <coughs> in the original times it was a certain colonizing class of British people who founded America and they wanted to keep it basically for themselves um, as far as I understand and they set things up to basically remain stable in that form but um, over time America has opened up to all people and it's really a question of um, I think we're confusing let's say wealthiness or let's call it class membership like are you in the billionaire group or are you a poor person as being whether or not you're more valuable I think the capitalistic society has really put a dollar value on people's worth as opposed to their race and you'll see a lot of people uh, being measured in terms of their financial wealth or control of resources and that is a concerning thing using that to value people but I think also religious leaders or people who have influence over people are also valued so I think he's over generalizing things and painting a picture of um, <clears throat> painting a picture of it just being white people being more valued. I mean, maybe that was at the time of founding the case. And I definitely see, you know, us as being a British colony to the exclusion of other countries even um, to begin with. So yeah, they will exact a certain kind of violence to defend that view. Yes, it's called like police and military or, um, I mean, you could say any type of protest is a form of violence of some kind, but, um, or even threats. I mean, I got death threats when I was involved in politics, and it seems to be very a very unfortunate part of American politics is a certain form of threat of violence, which is very unfortunate, which is why I choose not to get involved in politics for threat of violence um, <clears throat> and it is very undemocratic so to say that you have to have a whole power base behind you in order to stand up to the other power bases or mobs or groups but we have to understand that that's the way it is and I'm not saying it's good the way it is but I guess they're not saying it's good either, but basically we have to understand that the leftist ideology is the absolute destruction of America. I mean, that is their stated goal, and we've been following this from the very beginning of our podcast. So if we see that as the goal, and, you know, we're slowly moving towards that goal in terms of ideology shifts... You know, let's shift everyone to democracy, and then we can vote in the Communist Party with our democracy, basically. 
um, <clears throat> you know, China is a democracy, North Korea is a democracy, West Germany, East Germany was a democracy, all of them were democracies. Don't forget that. I bet you Albania was a democracy as well. I'll have to look. They all consider themselves to be democracies. No question about that. Okay, let's play this clip. I've talked 10 minutes and the clip's only a couple seconds. The, the reckoning that we find ourselves involves the question of whether or not we're going to fundamentally embrace the idea that we are multiracial democracy. Uh, and the history of the country suggests that we uh, uh, constantly, when faced with that question, will double down on violence. Uh, that white America will choose violence to defend its way of life, to defend those noxious assumptions that have in some ways led to the organization of our way of life predicated upon this idea that white people ought to be valued more than others, that they will in fact uh, you know, exact a certain kind of violence to defend that view. Uh, and so Baldwin in this moment is kind of marking this, right? That is, America is always talking about it changing, but it never changes, right? And so- All right. So now we're gonna make a little interlude here and we're gonna listen to a clip from Dr. Max Stone who's going to present to us some conspiracy theories in the form of hip-hop music. And also we're going to have him on the show today, uh, not today, but soon. He said he'd be willing to uh, join our show and be willing to promote our podcast. So we're going to listen to some hip-hop music of him. I'm going to try and find a nice clip I can play. To make this virus for me, because it's hardly harming human beings. We need death stress and hope we can walk your dream. Those who don't take the vaccine, we got these nanobugs to stay. Steady, let me put this needle in your vein. Cause you need some fucking ethyl mercury in your brain. Do what the doctor says to make the pain that you made in the first place go away. Brilliant conclusion, we made it back in our younger days. Advances after years of scientific trials with different grades of viruses and files and motherfucking trays. All right. One thing we're gonna have to do is adjust the audio levels, and I could probably write some scripts to do that. We got some clips that are too loud, some my voice seems to be too soft. But um, there's not much I can do about that right now. Sorry about it. I hope I'm not breaking your eardrums. I'm gonna have to run some compression over this uh, MP3, I think. And um, yeah, hopefully we're gonna get that new, uh, so as a concession to QAnon, whoever she is, we're going to um, create a new RSS feed that contains only edited shows uh, that are willing, that don't contain any ums and ands and people stammering about things and making no sense at all. That's going to be in season one, in case you don't know. Season one is the live stream, and you consent to listen to this. You're going to get noise. And eventually, um, we're going to break through and we're going to have some tools that will help us create the um, <clears throat> the edited versions. And we'll compress these things down and run some tools over them and maybe even remove some coughs and some cars and other things. Clean it up and then put it 
in season three. I was thinking about hiring someone on Fiverr to do that. Um, <clears throat> maybe I will, maybe I won't. Let me know what you think. I want to hear from my listeners. What do you think? All right, so now we're going to get to the congressional hearings with uh, Google being scrutinized and Twitter. This is just a recent one with some new hearings on Section 230. So I'm going to try and pull some clips from that. All right, well, we're going to start with his opening statement. And I'm going to leave out the part about the health risks about young kids using it too much and getting depressed or addicted. And I've seen that firsthand myself. Um, but we're just going to get into the definition of 230. And he's going to basically say they think it needs to be changed to have more transparency into the decisions made to block or unblock uh, people. People like and they use. So the bottom line is they've probably been more successful than their wildest dreams. And they're having to make decisions that offend people <clears throat> on the left and the right. And what we're trying to do is look at Section 230 and to see if it needs to be modified or changed because Section 230 basically allows social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook to pass on information uh, without legal liability. If a newspaper does something you don't like or you think they've slandered you in a certain way, you can sue them. If a news program does something that you think is out of line, even as a politician with a high bar, you can sue them. These companies have liability protection when it comes to the content uh, that their users um, uh, engage in. You can sue the person who gave the tweet, but you can't sue Twitter who gave that person access to the world in terms of what they said. And we got to find a way to make sure that when Twitter and Facebook make a decision about what's reliable and what's not, what to keep up and what, what to take down, that there's trans... So he's going to get into the question if Twitter and Facebook censoring the New York Post is an editorial decision. And it seems to me that they made an editorial decision to censor the New York Post when he was talking about the laptop, when they were talking about the laptop from hell. And this decision... Um, <clears throat> this decision um, uh, could cost them the two th Section 230 protection, where they could be sued. Um, I mean, this is the point. If they're making editorial decisions and coordinating these decisions together, as we will see, I mean, it's a very concerning debate is are these companies newspapers or their TV stations, do they have the power of, um, of media organizations that have rules and regulations and the current uh, media platforms do not? There are rules about what a television station can do. There are rules about what a newspaper can do. Uh, and what I want to try to find out is if you're not a newspaper at Twitter or Facebook, 
then why do you have editorial control over the New York Post? They decided, and maybe for a good reason, I don't know, that the New York Post edit, uh, articles about Hunter Biden needed to be flagged, excluded from distribution, or made hard to find. That, to me, seems like you're the ultimate editor. The editorial decision at the New York Post to run the story was overridden by Twitter and Facebook in different fashions to prevent its dissemination. Now, if that's not making an editorial decision, I don't know what would be. It's one thing when we do it in our private lives. Uh, Nikki Haley made a post about her concerns about mail-in balloting. It was flagged as uh, something, a claim this hasn't been legitimized. Uh, let me read it to you. The next question to ask is why it a crime to raise doubts about the... So he's going to get into the question if Twitter and Facebook censoring the New York Post is an editorial decision. And it seems to me that they made an editorial decision to censor the New York Post when he was talking about the laptop, when they were talking about the laptop from hell and this decision, um, <clears throat> this decision, um, could cost them the tooth section 230 protection where they could be sued um, I mean this is the point if they're making editorial decisions and coordinating these decisions together as we will see I mean it's very concerning uh, let me read it to you the next question to ask is why it a crime to raise doubts about the Holocaust why should anyone who writes about such doubts be in prison while insulting uh, the prophet is allowed. Now, that's the Ayatollah. Uh, he's opining that raising doubts about the Holocaust uh, shouldn't be a crime, and he has openly called for the destruction of Israel. His regime has, and his tweet was basically allowed to flourish. Here's what Nikki Haley said. Despite what the media tells us, election fraud does happen, and policies like balloting, harvesting, and mailing ballots to people who don't request them makes it easier, makes that easier. That needs to stop. This claim about election fraud is disputed. Well, that's her opinion. She believes, like I do, that mail-in balloting is uh, ripe for fraud if you can't verify the signature. And if we just send mail ballots out to the world that are not requested and you don't have a signature verification system that can be trusted, you have, in fact, led to harvesting of ballots uh, for nefarious purposes. The question for us as a country, at what point did the decisions by these organizations cross a line? At what point do they have to assume responsibility that Section 230 shields them from? And to the people who are about to testify, I consider your products 
to have changed the world, mostly for the good. We're able to interact among ourselves. We're able to talk to each other and share life experiences. We're able to, in real time, communicate to our neighbors and our friends and those who oppose us what we think with technology that just makes it instantaneous. Okay, we need to take a break from this because, let me tell you, listening to Lindsey Graham talk over longer periods is actually on the level of stream of random podcast torture. And you really just need to take a break from it. We talked about neurons being um, expanded. Well, I looked it up again. It's called ACH, acetylcholine. And we could talk about the acetylcholine process a little bit here. Boy, it's hard for me to find an actual um, quote. I read this a long time ago. So I'll just tell you what I remember, okay? Basically, the theory was that you have ACH, and the ACH is used to transfer information from one neuron to the next across the, from the axion of the one neuron into the next neuron. And they're basically, these neurotransmitters, um, I don't know if they open the floodgates, they're released, and they actually cause the signal on the other side to um, go and be triggered. Um, or they increase the chance. I'll have to uh, actually understand that better, but um, the whole point is is that it takes like 20 minutes, I've heard, for this to reload in the brain. And in that time when your ACH is expended, you experience a synaptic depression. These vesicles that contain the ACH are snapped off, are created from the um, the fat or lipids of the cells, which is full, pinched off and then filled with the fluid. And this fluid um, takes a while to reload. And I guess it depends on your it depends on your uh, energy levels, let's say, of the cells. So. <clears throat> That's why it's important to take breaks um, between activities or to switch activities because you have ACH vesicles available in different parts of the brain. So you switch to a different part of the brain and while that brain, while the one part that's experienced synaptic depression is recharging, you use up the vesicles in a different part. That's the whole theory. Excuse me, I got like some something in my throat. I guess it's like phlegm or something. Um, Which is why I'm making that weird noise. But in any case, I'm looking for articles now um, to actually support this idea. I found this one interesting article saying that that there's different frequencies of the release of this information. That there's different timing models in terms of slow versus fast um, patterns and it looks like um, there's like analog patterns that are being transmitted I guess in the neurons 
It's all very interesting. I don't understand it, but I, I, I guess there's different speeds at which the neurons can talk to each other. So that's interesting. I guess we're going to learn more about how to create nanobots in our head with neurons. Okay, so I'm going to read you from this article that I'm going to link in the show notes. Dr. Eric Jurgensen is interested in what happens when the neuron begins to use up its available packages, its vesicles. And he's saying... He's saying that the neurotransmitters such as glutamate or dopamine are packaged into vesicles. And... uh, The stock of packages is finite, and most neurons fire quickly enough to use up their stores in a matter of seconds. So you can actually use up your neurons in a matter of seconds. It is thought that neurons are somehow able to quickly recycle their packages to counteract this problem. But the evidence to support this idea has been scant. Vesicles are too small to observe with light microscope, and neurons fire in about 10 milliseconds. So the neurons, they fire in 10 milliseconds. A millisecond is a thousandth of a second. Now they say 100 milliseconds is a slow web page. That's a one-tenth of a second. And... uh, 10 milliseconds is one hundredth of a second. One hundredth. So we can fire a hundred times a second. And let's think a frame of a movie is 30 frames a second. So that's like three firing. So it like takes us three fires of the neurons to receive a image okay being able to see what is occurring at the synapse over such a short time scale is a difficult task okay to address this question Jorgensen worked with Dr. Shi Geki Wana Watanabe to develop a new technique which gave them the proper temporal and spatial resolution to understand how neurotransmitter packages were being replenished. First, they introduced a light-sensitive molecule to the neurons by turning on and off light. The uh, researchers were able to precisely control when the neurons fired, okay? So they spiked them with light. Then they would use a high-pressure freezer which could lock all the vesicles in place within eight milliseconds. By freezing neurons at different time points, they could effectively create a time-lapse of what the vesicles were doing. Poor mice, huh? Finally, by examining these snapshots of vesicles with electron microscope, they could have the spatial resolving power to examine the vesicles in details. Wow. That's a pretty cool idea. It's like, let's freeze these things. And then they'll do experiments at different, they freeze it at different times. They have a good timer. And then they can electron microscope them. 
They found the vesicles completely fused with the neuron membrane within 30 milliseconds. Oh, 30 milliseconds. Now, isn't that how many frames per second we can observe? Is that right? 30 frames a second? Allowing the vesicles to dump out their neurotransmitter payload into the synapse. Remarkably, in less than 100 milliseconds, portions of the membrane began retracting to be recycled. This ultra-fast recycling process of the vesicles was previously unknown. A slower recycling method was known to take place in some cells, but the mechanism occurred too slowly. Okay. So, ultrafast endocytosis is 30 milliseconds. Kiss and run, one to two seconds. And then clathrin-mediated endocytosis is 20 seconds. Well, that's kind of interesting. Let's see here. Oh, 10 minutes. Well, that was an interesting little break. We're going to continue with some other topics now because in the stream of random, we switch between topics to support our, um, the reloading of our vesicles. And to uh, we're going to do some arts next. I think we'll play some more clips from uh, Dr. Max Stone. I've been missing on the podcast because I've been out all day trying to buy some clothes and Got me another guitar, that's better. Just passed like five moss. And I sent a picture with this church. Didn't pass by that one, but it's ginormous. So yeah, I'll be home soon. Um, give you a call back. Good morning. I'm trying to help people. Yeah, I got a letter from the government. The other day, I opened it and read it It said it was suckers Wanted me to wear a mask or whatever Looked at them dead in the face Yo, I said never Letter from the government The other day, I opened it and read it It said they wanted me to join a side or whatever I looked at them dead in the face and said never Search and tower The planet looking for these I'm trying to help people I got a letter from the government The other day, I opened it and read it it said it was suckers, wanted me to wear a mask or whatever Looked at them dead in the face, yo, I said never Letter from the government, the other day I opened it and read it, it said they wanted me to join the side or whatever I looked at them dead in the face and said